0: Welcome to the Ike Badgers podcast. My name is Alex Ikestead, and you are listening to the Badgers and Friends podcast series from Ike Badgers. That's 12 weeks, 12 episodes, 12 players, 12 tremendous conversations. And we're getting right to it. Today, we sit down with Joe Schobert, Waukesha West to UW Madison. NFL's leading tackler and now with the Jacksonville Jaguar. so we're super hyped let's get into it but first I want to talk about my good friends over at team get it done Jimmy Ryan, host of the Get It Done podcast, is leading these conversations with CEOs, with hardworking individuals, essentially people that know how to get it done, and who have sweat and persevered in their industry to get to the top, and they want to share their stories with us. So make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, or Spotify. That's the Get It Done podcast from Jimmy Ryan and Team Get It Done, and now KJ, Take it away.
1: Joe Shobert. welcome to the show. How are you doing?
2: Good. How are you doing today?
1: Hey, I'm doing great. We're really excited to talk to you. Uh, for those that don't know Joe, he has an incredible story of walking on at Wisconsin, making a name for himself on the defense, getting drafted by the Cleveland Browns, playing well enough to earn a nice second contract with the Jacksonville Jaguars as they look to revamp under Urban Meyer. And we're going to cover all of that. My name is KJ Ixstead. We're here with Joe Schobert, and you are listening to the Ike Badgers podcast. So, Joe, you're from Waukesha, Wisconsin, where you played your high school ball at Waukesha West. I happened to go to school in the district at the same time, so I would hear all these rumors about you dunking a basketball, dominating as a running back, you know, setting state running back records and winning state championships. And yet, despite all the athleticism and success, it didn't look like you were going to end up at Wisconsin. It wasn't until a late uh, last minute change of events. So you walk onto the program and the rest is obviously history. Can you take us through your junior and senior seasons of high school kind of, and kind of that story that led up to you getting to Wisconsin?
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I say my junior year, I mean, I played basketball, baseball, ran track. Um, as, well, as well as football. So my junior season in football uh, we, is when we won the state championship. And I had a good season. Um, but I think recruiting in Wisconsin wasn't really up to snuff back in the day. There's probably only 10 kids I think in the whole state who probably got Division one scholarships and if you look at it now, it's like there's 10 kids in the Classic Eight, whatever football conference that are getting scholarships. So um, it was a different time even though it was less than 10 years ago. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that state championship really vaulted me into wanting to play football in college. And then I went through the whole process. I got I had a couple like offers from schools that didn't offer scholarship, but like offers to play on the team from like Drake University, Butler, um, like Ivy League, like Columbia, stuff like that. Um, I remember talking to them a little bit. Um, an event actually, I was going to walk on at University of North Dakota, the Fighting Sioux, which was uh, would have been. I think I would have been fine. I would have been successful still. Um, but when Wisconsin came at the last second, um, I obviously had to choose them. I had to go to the home state school because that's the dream school growing up as a Wisconsin kid.
1: Mm-hmm. And and you've carried yourself tremendously well throughout all this, uh, but I have to ask, it must've been kind of tough, man. Like, did you ever feel disrespected? And and you did acknowledge it was a different time, maybe like the digital uh, recruiting practices weren't around back then, but Did you ever feel any sort of disrespect? Did it ever fuel you, obviously, in, like, a good way? Or could you talk about that for a sec?
2: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say disrespect, but it was always just, like... um, Chip on your shoulder? Yeah, a chip on your shoulder where it just... It it provided a little fire just to work, and um, I remember going into... Just even, like, when I I was supposed to walk on at University of North Dakota, I was lifting and stuff in the spring my senior year and just... Lifting and uh, working out real hard and trying to get into the best shape possible. So when I showed up there, I'd be one of the best players on campus. Um, And that just kind of translated over, obviously, to Wisconsin uh, when I switched schools. And then uh, it just kind of took me through. And once you get into into Madison, you know, there's a a storied walk-on tradition. And if you do Mm -hmm. things the right way, and I always believed in my abilities, I think that uh, really helped propel me uh, to working hard and being able to get to the spot where where I'm at today.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really good answer. Uh, so Joe, tell us about the position change when you got to Wisconsin. Now I'm going to keep it anonymous, but one of your old classmates gave me some inside intel that uh, sometimes in youth football, he said you used to run right at guys, so you could plow them over like an NFL blitz. And I'm not sure if that's true or not. But do you think that love for contact played a part in you embracing the linebacker position?
2: Yeah, that's definitely accurate. Uh, I remember those youth football days. I'm, who was telling you that? Uh, I, have
1: I think some you play- might know.
2: <laughs> I probably do. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that was uh, definitely. I mean, I played middle linebacker uh, in youth football too, so I was always I was a linebacker in the in the early days. So I just kind of came full circle when I got to Wisconsin.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so, so kind of one of these questions that we we go to again and again. Uh, Wisconsin's got this great reputation for developing players. You know, you mentioned it, taking walk-ons and turning them into NFL Pro Bowl caliber players uh, and also just developing them off the field as well. And you experienced this going from a high school offensive star. I mean, you, you also did play on the defensive side of the ball, but uh, you ended up developing into a linebacker so talented, they awarded you the Jack Lambert Trophy in 2015, given to the nation's best linebacker. Uh so Joe what was it like when you got to Madison as a freshman and then were there any upperclassmen who took you under their wing and kind of showed you the ways and helped you develop
2: Yeah I think when I first got there I mean growing up as kids you always look up to I mean even when you're younger you look up to high school athletes and then you look up to your college athletes and the NFL guys and every step of the way when I've got there you 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 tend to realize that everybody's just a there's another person just like you. So I remember my first training camp at Wisconsin, just getting on the field. And, yeah, there's good athletes, but I was like, I belong here. This is, like, I'm just as good of an athlete as 90% of these guys, if not better. Um, so it was really kind of an eye-opening thing that proved to me, to myself, that I belonged. Um, and then just going on from that, uh, what was the second part of the question? I can't remember that. Yeah, were, were there any upperclassmen
1: who took you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Way?
2: Yeah, I remember right away. Ethan Armstrong was a linebacker who was there. Um, he's he was a different position than me my freshman year, but when we changed schemes to a three four, he was one of the guys I was backing him up for my sophomore season. He he was he did a really good job. Um, just kind of he was another walk on. So going through the walk on process, just telling me how things were, how to conduct yourself, what working out, what the coaches are looking for, all that kind of stuff. And then guys like Chris Borland um in the middle just a, somebody who didn't necessarily like just give advice out but just somebody you could look to and just see how he did things um he's one of the best linebackers in college football history in my opinion um just being able to to work next to him and just see the kind of effort and uh, attitude he put into everyday workouts and practice was an eye-opening experience for a kid coming in from Waukesha, Wisconsin.
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting you mentioned him because you guys have a lot of, uh, I, I would say from a spectator standpoint, a pretty similar story where when Boylan first got to Madison, he was just flying all over the place making these plays, and he was a pretty unheralded recruit, but you just kind of always jumped off the film, and you had a feeling this guy, you know, regardless of what the scouts may or may not have overlooked about him, you know, this guy was going to do great things. Then he ended up getting drafted, ended up winning rookie of the year, I believe, before retiring, um And then and then you kind of a similar story where you just come out of nowhere, start making all these incredible plays, and then go to the NFL, do the same thing. Uh, it, it really just shows that, you know, believe in yourself. And, uh, you know, who cares about the ratings, really? Just I don't know if you have any advice for those kids out there who might be going through a little bit of that frustration where it seems like ratings are everything. But But do you have any maybe advice for some of those young kids who – uh, might not be the highest recruits or might might feel like they're overlooked as well?
2: Yeah, I mean, for sure, ratings are not any, everything uh, 100% because, like you said, I didn't have – I don't know if I had any stars coming out of high school and Chris Borland was, like, two-star, three-star recruit. Um, but you see that all over the place. Like, if you look at the NFL, the most people who – I mean, there's a bigger number, a bigger pool, but the people who play the most and – have a lot of pro bowl nods and stuff as the undrafted guys and there's guys from all over every college you can imagine d3 d2 d1 double a i've played with i've played with guys who went to every single one of those schools um like my locker buddy met last year's name is ben Barch. he's a d3 uh d3 guy from uh, minnesota went to st john's um so you can do it uh no matter where you go and i think that it translates also from high school to college there's walk-ons all the time across programs all over the country who end up becoming contributors and starters and there's a lot of a lot of self belief that you need to have to be able to make it happen because things aren't always going to be stacked in your favor mm-hmm. but when i got to wisconsin there's as, as many walk-ons um, or lower lower level recruits you could say that end up making a difference or playing as they do five four star guys just that's the way things work like the ratings are built to give recruiters and people like an understanding Oh, this guy potentially could be a star or something, but they really have, don't hold much weight when you get to that next step. It's just, it's how, once you get there, like there's a saying in the NFL, it's not how you get there. It, um, it's that you do get there. So mm. whether you're a first round pick or an undrafted guy, like once you get here, everybody's on the same page and whoever produces and whoever plays is going to play. Like, whoever does well is going to be the one who's going to play on Sunday. It doesn't matter who it, who it is. So it's a performance-based business. Sports mm-hmm. are. Uh, again, everything's about performance. Everything's about how well you do on the field and uh, the tangibles you can bring. And if you're able to do that and stay healthy, most importantly, then there's no telling how far you can go.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of were rattling off just some scenarios and you made me think of Tom Brady. You know, just I'm sure he – had his fair share of doubters and, and then look at what he's doing. Uh it also kind of reminds me of baseball with like the prospects. You know, the a lot of times like the, the top first round picks, they might not even make it. And a lot of times these un you know, these guys out of uh Latin America or maybe even like way down in the draft or, you know, potentially even some undrafted guys, they can become uh very talented ball players as well. So so yeah, I just wanted to kind of put that out there for all those kids who who are just chasing a dream. Uh, Taking it back to the Badgers, what do you remember most about your Camp Randall debut?
2: My Camp Randall debut, the thing that you remember the most is running out of the tunnel to, as a kid growing up, um, Camp Randall Stadium, everybody just going crazy. You never play, like in high school, you play in front of what, at most, 2,000 people maybe when you're getting to the playoffs or if you have a big... A big school, and then yeah. also like run out to a, a packed stadium of 70 80,000 people. And then once that first jump around hits, you feel feel the, the ground shaking and the stands going crazy and the energy in the stadium. I think those are the two things from my first game that really stand out just the first time running out of the field for the pregame introductions and then jump around
1: yeah okay this is kind of like a, a little bit of an add-on and I'm, i might be going deep here but do you by chance remember if it was like the u2 song that was playing or was it like the saliva ladies and gentlemen song that was playing when you ran out of the tunnel or is that like going too deep
2: yeah no that's at the at the end of the um the pregame like hype song is the it was the u2 i think it starts off with the u2
1: yeah that gives me chills
2: <laughs> yeah with like ron dane and running and matt lape's voice going over voicing over things yeah
1: Yeah, just just a special thing. Hoping to get those fans back very, very, very soon. Um, How about this, Joe? Who's the most talented Badger you ever played alongside? And, And if you don't want to do one, you know, maybe rattle off a
0: few guys that come to mind. What do all Badger fans need? A great place to watch the game, of course. That's where our good friend Jeff Johns comes in. Jeff is one of the hardest working realtors serving Madison, Milwaukee, and everywhere in between. If you're looking to buy or sell your next home, condo, or investment property, Jeff is the guy to talk to. For a free, no obligation market review of your home or buyer consultation, you can reach out to him at 262-442-2700. Again, that's 262-442-2700. Jeff Johns of EXP Realty. Tell him we sent you. Brian Butch here. I've worn a lot of apparel throughout my career, and I can tell you this. Iron Jack is the most advanced performance gear I've ever worn. It infuses pure silver into all of its gear throughout a proprietary process called Silver Ion Technology, which kills 99.9% of the bacteria and fungus caused when you sweat for the lifetime of the gear. No other brand offers this world-class antimicrobial protection, comfort, and and performance. Join Iron Jock Nation and get yours at ironjock.com. That's ironjlc.com. Iron Jock, it's what's inside.
1: How about this, Joe? Who's the most talented badger you ever played alongside? And, and if you don't want to do one, you know, maybe rattle off a few guys that come to mind.
2: Yeah, most talented badger um I mean, you got to put Melvin Gordon in there for sure. Um my, I'll, I'll always say somebody nobody will probably know, but my old roommate Nate Hammond is one hmm. of the most talented guys I played with. But he had um, compartment syndrome in his legs, so he had eventually had to uh, medically couldn't play anymore. But in terms of a, he's about my height, but could jump higher than me. He's a safety, really good ball skills, really good at everything he does. Um, and Chris Borland is another like yep. whatever you. If you want him to kick field goals, he'll kick field goals, right foot, left foot, catch the ball one handed, like just bowling ball when he's actually playing, um, stuff like that. And I said, Joel Stave too. He's another guy who extremely talented. Just He's one of those guys, like I used to catch passes from him in the off season when he was um, bouncing around on some of the NFL practice squads and stuff. And mm-hmm. he's got like his arm talent is just as good as so many guys in the NFL. When you're catching the ball, when it, he throws it outside the numbers. That ball zips there so fast. It's it's impressive. So just so those are a couple of guys that kind of stick out, come to mind.
1: Yeah, I mean I think he was another walk on. I, I remember just reading all about like you said, like this this guy is making waves in practice with his arm talent. Like he's got an arm. He's you know, he might be a little raw, but this Joel Stave guy. Um so yeah, that's kinda of cool just to hear uh different eras of badgers kinda of going up against these guys in practice and playing alongside these guys. Uh so, so you're you know last season at Madison you absolutely just lit it up you know you had something like 19 tackles for loss like nine sacks and uh, it was a pretty foregone conclusion that you had a future in the NFL so could you tell us a little bit about uh what you remember about the pre-draft process um and just like what that was like uh before getting selected by the Browns
2: Yeah I mean the pre-draft process is it's pretty much like a dream. Usually, you see kids. You see people going through like the combine and stuff, and the Senior Bowl and pro days and all that. And you are flying out. Like I was training out in California. Uh, had like they get set you up with your own little apartment, um, and you don't have so you have no responsibility besides working out, getting massages, stretching, doing all that stuff. And that's only that only takes up so much time of your day. And then you they give you a car and a rental car. You have your own apartment. And you can drive around orange county and do whatever it's uh it's a dream come true and
0: yeah
2: for for i mean i'm sure a lot of kids around the country and you get to actually experience it firsthand um but at the, at the other side the the combine is not what it's li- put up to be on the tv and senior bowl is, is the same because you're there 24 7 uh phone on with scouts and GMs and coaches calling you, trying to set up meetings from all 32 teams, so you're up until midnight, 1 in the morning, talking, and then you're up at 5, 6 to go to practice or do medical things or uh, whatever, like the combine. There's so many meetings and medical uh, checks and checkups and hospitals and x-rays and all this stuff that you have to go through that it's just it's so exhausting. That's the stuff they don't tell you about, and then at the end of your whole exhausting week, that's when you actually run and do your performance on drill stuff so that's when you're the most tired and ready to just get out of there but uh looking back on it it's a it's a privilege to be a part of all that stuff um and just i mean there's so much unknowns because you don't know if you're gonna get drafted where you're gonna get drafted where you're gonna be, drafted, you're gonna be living and all that so it's kind of uh for people who like controlling their life it's a little bit up there but for me i i enjoyed it and i had a I had a blast doing uh getting ready for the combine getting ready for the draft and seeing where I was going to end up.
1: Yeah. You, you just kind of spurred a question. Um, and, and if you can't answer this, that's okay. But I want to ask what were like one or two of the most interesting, unique questions they ever gave you in the psychological process.
2: I don't, I didn't get anything out of the ordinary. I don't think I can't, cause I can't remember. I know sometimes like every year, like things come up about weird questions that are asked and like just, psychological evals and stuff like that but nothing none of my stuff it was all pretty standard just like personality quizzes or personality exams and psychological things so nothing there was nothing like uh dog i didn't even have like Do you like dogs or cats and i didn't have any of that stuff so
1: hmm. maybe they just looked at you and were like this guy seems to you know have a good grasp with the game you know we we like this guy or yeah, something like was, that
2: yeah, I think I was viewed as pretty low-maintenance um, coming out, so that's probably good for me in terms of my meetings. and I probably had less less meetings and less uh, weird stuff going on than a lot of people.
1: You know, just as we're talking, kind of like reverse-engineering this in my head after talking about that recruiting uh, question, it's almost like they look at Joe Shobert and they see, you know, in comparison to maybe like a five-star recruit who went to a school like Florida or something who maybe, you know, played well but didn't quite play up to his talent and they're like asking these questions to try and get a feel for what motivates him well well, they might just look at your story and be like look this guy didn't have any legitimate you know d1 offers uh you know he walked he worked his for everything he had um you know and then and then here he is now just really continuing to exceed expectations like we don't really have a question about what motivates joe Schobert. And, and maybe that had something to do with it but i i couldn't tell you i'm not an nfl scout um What's uh, What was it like choosing an agent?
2: Yeah, well, that process is like, I don't know, blind dates pretty much. You just get texted. Like your senior year, if they have an inkling you're going to get drafted or you're produced in college, like, you'll get hit up by so many agents from all over the country, and it's kind of like a, its own little recruiting process. Um, and you just got to kind of whittle through, like, the different people who are uh, texting you as best you can. Um, set up some meetings with them in person and you just got to kind of go from there. And I mean, there's a lot of agents and agencies and things that have track records, especially if you're, uh, in a more high profile guy in college. So it's, it makes it a little bit easier. Um, so for me, it wasn't that bad. And I ended up going with like athletes first, Joe Panos. He was a walk-on. He's from Wisconsin.
1: So just a guard.
2: yeah, exactly. I so, do remember
1: that name. That's cool.
2: Yeah. A comfortability factor there. And it's been, it's been good so far. So no complaints.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. Um, you know, we see, we actually see quite a bit of these agencies, even, you know, with Ike, some people, you know, probably they might be some of the, maybe not as quite as prominent, but uh, yeah, I guess everyone's kind of trying to look for ways to build up their agency um, or, you know, get, get, get started with these relationships or something. So, so taking it back to the draft, can you describe getting the phone call that you were drafted? Because that must have just been
2: wow. Yeah, I mean, I got drafted the first pick of the fourth round, and the fourth round starts the third day, the last day. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I got called like ten minutes before, like anything was even on air for like um. I like the draft. So yeah, I knew for like ten minutes before the official like numbers and names and everything was announced um but yeah as soon as you see that like your phone rings and you see an area code with that's not in your phone anymore Uh, in the browns case it was Berea, ohio like your heart starts pumping and you just answer it just thinking like this could be it this could be the one and sure enough like it was a uh hugh jackson I can't even remember the general manager at that time was it it was still yeah, it was still Sashi Brown it was Hugh Jackson Sashi Brown on the end of that line just kind of welcoming me to Cleveland and uh, the NFL and it just like it a, like you said it's a dream come true it's a culmination of a lot of work a lot of hard effort put into it um, and it's, a, it's an incredible feeling
1: yeah. Um, you know, obviously you're no longer with the Browns, but you had a lot of really good things happen there, including, you know, leading the NFL in tackles. Uh, one thing I think is really cool is that the Browns much like the bucks and the NBA, they've just been in the dark ages for such a long time. And they're kind of trying to, you know, they really are turning it around and even though you're not there anymore, like you kind of played a, a role in like the, the, the turnaround, honestly. And, um, you know, could you just talk about like what uh, maybe that energy, that feeling that even if you're not there, like that maybe there's some of that pride about taking like a team with a maybe a reputation for not being terribly good, um, but but really kind of helping them get on the upswing and turn that corner? Is your
0: business struggling to find new customers? Does your sales team wish they had more quality leads? If so, it's time to talk to Every Door Digital. With Everydoor Digital's multi-channel approach, your best prospects will see your marketing message everywhere they turn. Highly targeted ads in their mailbox, their inbox, or their smartphones, and their favorite social channels, of course. For an affordable source of sales leads, appointments, and new customers, visit EveryDoorDigital.com today.
1: Uh one thing I think is really cool is that the Browns much like the Bucks in the NBA they've just been in the dark ages for such a long time and they're kind of trying to you know they they really are turning it around and even though you're not there anymore like you kind of played a uh, a role in like the 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 turnaround honestly and um you know could you just talk about like what uh maybe that energy that feeling that even if you're not there like that maybe that some of that pride about taking like a team with a maybe a reputation for not being terribly good. Um, but, but really kind of helping them get on the upswing and turn that corner.
2: Yeah. I mean, I went through, like you said, the, I mean, I'm not Joe Thomas. I wasn't there for 10 years. Um, yeah. <laughs> putting <laughs> in a hall of fame, yeah. Putting in a hall of fame career shift and not being able to see the fruits of the labor. Um, but I, I came in and my first two years we were one in 31 young team all in the rebuild, like nothing going right. Um, and then I think my third and fourth year's brink of playoffs both seasons, and you could just tell how hungry the fans in the city were just to, for a winning football team. And like, we went 7-8-1, and, and it felt like we were a playoff team and going to the Super Bowl with how enthusiastic the fan response was after 0-16 and 1-15. And and um, so it's good to see them. I got a lot of guys that I still know on the team, obviously. It's good to see those guys be able to get into the playoffs and experience it. and looking to do that here in jacksonville now
1: yeah yeah we'll get to that in just a sec so so joe tell us about free agency you know things seem to have worked out for the best in cleveland uh you signed a deal with over 50 million with over 20 million guaranteed and did you have like a pinch me moment when you put pen to paper did you ever think you'd be doing that growing up and i guess like how did that shake out was it like you know, you guys sort of talking some preliminary numbers. Your agent probably has relayed you the info. Say, hey, we're we're looking around fifty-ish. It's looking like it's going to be maybe this-ish, guaranteed. Like, can you just maybe just t- describe that for a little bit for the listeners?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like you obviously know when you're going to be a free agent because your contract's about to be up, and uh, the team you're on always has the option to extend you before then. And we were we had talked briefly with like our GMs or previous GMs about um, signing extensions. And they always were kind of like, they were always saying, yeah, let's do some work. But then nothing like we never had an offer sheet put in or we never saw an offer. And then the GM got fired in Cleveland and they hired a new one. So that kind of turnover just kind of lost in the shuffle. So we went into free agency and usually at the combine, the agents are at the combine to talk free agents. So Mm. there are guys the guys they sign and the the rookies are like they can't. They're putting all their stuff on the field. So when the agents actually meet with the people on um, in the hotels and stuff, they're talking about free agents who they got coming up, what teams are looking for, and stuff. And, um, so we we had a decent idea of a bunch of teams that were interested. Um, and they throw around price points, and usually they talk about per year averages. They don't talk about like the overall total. total. Yeah, Just, yeah, you could be what. 10 million a year for two years, that's 20 million over two years, that's what, 10 million over five years, that's 50 million. So they usually talk about the per, per year stuff because in the NFL there's not a lot of stuff guaranteed after a couple of years on the longer contract. So you got to really kind of lock it in as much as you can the first couple of years. So, I mean, they, we knew, so after the combine, you know, some of the teams that are interested, and then free agency always starts in the middle of March. And as you get closer, you get a little bit of idea because um, some teams can sign. Like I know the Packers were in, interested. Um,
1: yeah, it was one of my questions.
2: Yeah. And then, but then they signed ended up, signed Christian Kirksey, my other teammate um, from Cleveland a couple of days before free agency even started because he was, he wasn't an unrestricted free agent. He had gotten let go from Cleveland. So he was free to sign with anybody at that point. It didn't. We, he didn't have to wait till March. So, like, that took, takes the Packers off the table. And then just things kind of shake out. Teams call back and forth. You are talking numbers with them, and then some other team calls, and they have whatever contract, like, offers. So the agent's doing a lot of that, playing them back and forth, seeing who can get the best offers and where you're going to go and figure it out at the end. And, I mean, we ended up in Jacksonville, and couldn't be happier about it.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a franchise on the on the up and up. So I gotta ask Joe, growing up growing up in Wisconsin, what was it like going up against Aaron
2: Rodgers? Oh, it was awesome. Um, I mean, he's been a, a Packer for so long, played so well. It's cra- it's crazy that he's still in the league, uh, doing his thing, winning MVPs. Because um, he won MVP when I was in high school, so it's just it's crazy that like that's ten years ago.
1: Yeah, you know, that championship won- was fun.
2: Yeah, exactly. Ten years ago, eleven years ago, he won the first one. I was in high school, and he just won one now. And playing against him on the field and as the Jaguars last year, we did a good job against them. Uh, we couldn't pull out the win at the end, obviously, but we were able to limit the Packers' offense, probably the best all season. Yep. Until maybe the the Buccaneers, except for the Buccaneers, probably.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I remember that game. Like we got the win, but it was not very easily uh, won. Um, so, so this is interesting. Having gone up against Urban Meyer at Ohio State, you now get the chance to play for him as a head coach. Have you talked to him much, and what excites you most about playing for him?
2: Yeah, I've just briefly talked to him on the phone. Um, NFL has so many rules now where you can't, like, coaches can't talk scheme, they can't do this, they can't do that because of, I don't know, the in, I think they say it's in the interest of fairness that everybody's on the same page and, like, not everybody's able to be in town or get, uh, like, teams of new coaches don't have guys, like, they don't know who the guys are and what. So I haven't been able to talk too much, but I'm sure there'll be more introductions. But it's, it's looking to be an exciting time in Jacksonville. Obviously, you never want the first overall pick because that means you didn't do good the year before. But with that comes a lot of excitement, new coaching staff. Um, it means new schemes but also new ideas so there's a lot of excitement there um and hopefully uh, what they preach everybody buys in and we can get a good solid cohesive unit and i uh, look forward to a lot of success
1: yeah i think the one thing that comes to mind when i think urban meyer is he's just a winner and he's won pretty much everywhere he's been and i think he'll probably translate that to jacksonville too and and uh yeah, I mean, first overall pick, that's that's just a reason for hope and optimism. Uh, I think the worst is probably behind you guys. So this is kind of a little bit of a, a unique high-level question, but we like to ask it. If you were to describe Joe Schobert's personal
2: brand, how would you describe it? My personal brand? Yeah. Uh, in terms of, like, football or just life or what? <laughs> yeah, I
1: guess both, you know, just...
2: Uh, I mean, my personal brand, like if I'm selling myself to a football team, I would just say I'm accountable, I'm available. That's something that was preaching to me a long time ago. I um, mean, it's important in the NFL. You just need guys who are accountable. They know what they're going to do. They do their job and they execute. And then you need guys who are going to be available. They're not going to be hurt. They're not going to be missing a bunch of games. They're going to be reliable. Somebody you can count on. So that's what I would preach to NFL uh, teams if I was marketing myself. um, and that's probably a lot what I just preach to people in life. Like, if you're my friend, if you ask me to do something, I'll do it for you. Um, like you can count on me to get stuff done. You can count on me to be there if you need anything. So that's just probably the accountable and available. I'm an AA guy, you know?
1: I like that. Simple and simple, uh, but very, very important. So last question, and then we'll move on to the lightning round. Uh, do, you kill, do you still keep in touch with uh, any of the Badgers on the current team or around the NFL?
2: Uh, I don't think I know anybody on the current team anymore at uh, Wisconsin. Hmm. Um, as I think the last... Yeah, I don't think I know anybody who's on the back, on Wisconsin anymore. I, uh, I keep in touch with the old Wisconsin coaches like Coach Kalaji. who's now a D-line coach who was a strength coach. Coach Christ, Um One of my strength coaches in Cleveland is Ty Taylor. He's a strength coach at Wisconsin now, so... I still got a lot of connections around the building. Still talk to a lot of those guys, um, but I, and I stay in touch with the guys like Vince Spiegel, TJ mm-hmm. uh, Watt, Derek Watt. Like when I'm back in Wisconsin, working out with them at a gym in Waukesha called Next Level. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Connor Sheehy's out there. Ricky Wagner, um, Alex Erickson. I talk to quite a bit. Um, we try to get together and golf a little bit here and there in the off season when we can. Um, so. A, I keep it, try to keep in touch a lot, and I mean Dowry Mualu is on my team now here in Jacksonville. So there's a lot of guys I keep in contact with to talk to um, from the teams back in the day.
1: Yeah, and and you played for Aranda and uh, Wilcox, right? As far as defensive coordinators, no, just Aranda. Just Aranda? No. Okay, Do you no. still, still keep in touch with him at all?
2: Uh, I think I have messaged him. We messed in the in the last year. I've talked to him, but not we don't keep up to date uh, too often. <laughs> yeah, I mean you guys are both super busy. Uh, I remember he kind of
1: like was big part of that start of the defensive culture in Madison. We always talk about how it's like a running back offensive lineman school. But really, man, it's been for a while now that it's been a strong defense. And that's just been another fun element of the program. So now we're going to move on to the lightning round where I'm going to ask you a bunch of quick hitter questions. And then all I ask is that you keep it to you try and keep answers to one or two sentences. Sound good?
2: Yeah, sounds good.
1: Okay, so first off, uh, same childhood friend. You told me you're a massive eater. So I got to ask, what's your go-to meal lately?
2: Chipotle. Okay. And I need to know who this childhood friend is.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you right when we get off. I'll tell you right when we get off. Um, Who's a musical artist you've been listening to a lot this year?
2: Dermot Kennedy.
1: Mm, Okay, I've never heard of him. I'll have to check him out. Apple Music or Spotify? Spotify. Same childhood friend. Also told me you're a massive
2: reader. So tell me, what's a good book you've read? Um, recently, i reread a lot of books. I I don't know if I've read anything new that's been great recently. But I got the, one of my favorite uh, ones would be the Ryria Revelations I've read in the last year. That's hmm. new.
1: Okay. Uh, real quick, what's that going about?
2: That's like, It's kind of like Lord of the Rings. There's a couple of protagonists there's a couple of different races and medieval sort of fantasy um they gotta you know save the world from impending doom pretty much
1: okay sounds kind of interesting uh how about this next place you want to visit switzerland Ooh. okay uh any reason why or
2: yeah i'm a big big outdoors big hiking uh adventuring whatever kayaking uh stuff so i'd love to go to switzerland see the mountains i've been i've been to a lot of places in europe and i haven't been to switzerland yet and that's probably one of the ones i'd like to go to the most
1: yeah yeah my brother went for like a sports conference last year it was virtual this year so unfortunately we didn't get to go again but uh he said it was unbelievable he was in st Gallen um how about this what's your favorite sport outside of football
2: um to play is basketball and to watch, it's probably between basketball and uh, soccer.
1: Yeah, soccer is fun to watch, cause, and especially with those uh, no commercials, really. Um, how about this? If you could start or pursue any charity, what would it be?
2: Charity? Charity? Um, well, I'm big into the conservation. So it'd have to either be something along the lines of conservation of uh, public lands and uh, natural environments or something about through a, a children's hospital, helping kids in need who have experienced things that, uh, no kid should really have to experience.
1: Yeah, man, that, that second, I mean, actually both those really hit home for me. Uh, but especially that second one, I know last year and the year before we, we did the Ike toy drive for children's hospital in Milwaukee, um, just to try and give back to those less fortunate. So maybe I will connect on that in a couple months. So when you do it again, but, uh, we always like to wrap up our show this way. How's the family and how is Joe Schobert, the person, doing?
2: Good. Everybody's good. We're in Florida in the winter, so, I mean, you can't complain too much. It's uh, yeah. 60, degrees, uh, 60 degrees outside right now, and if we're not experiencing a polar vortex, I can go golf in tomorrow morning if I want to. Um, so everybody's doing good. Family's doing good. Baby, 10 months, almost 11 months old. He's eating, sleeping, being a happy little baby. My wife is good. She enjoys the weather. So not too much to complain about except for the lingering COVID effects and not being able to get out and do much.
1: Yeah, I hear you. Um, but that's really good to hear. You know, it's pretty cold up in Wisconsin right now. So so enjoy all
2: that. Enjoy all that.
1: Uh, yeah, so that wraps things up for today. We want to thank Joe for coming on the show. Joe, any final thoughts?
2: Uh, just thanks for having me. I appreciate being on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Really. Thanks for coming on. Um, Thank you for listening, Badger fans. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help support the show, the easiest ways to do that are simply tell a friend, Uh, tell a friend, subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Any of those things go a long way. And if you're on Twitter, that's a great way to connect with us. And also other Badger fans, you can follow us at Ike Badgers, where we post analysis, highlights, scores, and more. And uh, Joe, do you want to tell everyone
2: where they can get in touch with you? Well, I mean, social, uh, any social media platform, I think all my handles are something about the show goes on. They're slightly different. Um, Twitter, Instagram, but I think that might be the easiest.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Twitter and Instagram, the show goes on. You'd probably take it right to Joe Schobert. Uh, Lastly, if you're an athlete or business and want to talk branding, send us an email at welcome to Ike at gmail.com. A lot of exciting things to come. My name is KJ Ickstead. We just had a great episode with Joe Schobert, and this has been the Ike Badgers Podcast. So until next time, Badgers fans, we're out.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ike Badgers Podcast. The Badgers and Friends series. We're excited that you're here, and we thank you again for listening If you want to help the show, please subscribe, tell a friend, and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That's how we can continue to give great value to you. Badgers fans, more great episodes on the way. Until next time, on Wisconsin. Listening to Waiting from Ike Music